My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Embers to Excellence. My goal is to explore the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. In addition to leadership, I like to discuss mental health, PTSD, and overcoming adversity. If you have a favorite episode, I would love to hear about it. Message me through social media or my website, and I will share some free tools to help you achieve your goals. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you haven't purchased your copy of my book, Fireproof, please grab a copy today. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Debbie Silber. She is the founder of the PBT Institute, that is the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and is a holistic psychologist, a health, mindset, and personal development expert, the author of Trust Again, and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed, The Effortless Path to Release Resistance, Get Unstuck, and Create a Life You Love. Her podcast, From Betrayal to Breakthrough, is also globally ranked within the top 1.5% of podcasts. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, TEDx Twice, and more, uh, she's an award-winning speaker and coach dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as any other blocks preventing them from the health, work, relationships, confidence, and happiness they want most. Um, I had the opportunity or the, the good fortune of getting the links to her two TEDx talks and uh, watched those recently. Definitely got to check them out. I'll have the links in the show notes. Um, Dr. Silber, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to have this conversation with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. And Debbie's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so let's uh, let's dig right in. Uh, where were you born and raised and what were some of your early influences? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I was born in New York and now I'm actually by coastal between New York and California. Every few weeks I'm on a plane heading to one or the other. Uh, early influences, you know, I was always, I didn't even know it when I was younger, but I was a highly sensitive empath from day one. And when you don't know you're an empath and you, you, you just, you just think you're crazy. You're like, why am I so sensitive? Why, why am I struggling with things that other people, you know, have no, like it doesn't bother them at all. You know, I'd be the one who'd run for the lunch lady when the bully was bothering, you know, somebody on the playground. And I'd be the one like escorting a bug outside. <laughs> and, and I was the one who would always cry. Like if I see a couple reuniting or a family reuniting in the airport and, you know, and I, I had no idea, no idea who I was. It actually uh, took my betrayal to, for me to learn who I was, but we'll, we'll get to that. So you, you grew up in New York, uh, mm -hmm. What part of New York did you grow up? In? Yeah, I grew up in Long Island. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those people who who was, it's like, if you know me, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I seem like I really belong in California. I just, I love nature. I, and New York has amazing uh, nature as well. But I just put me by the beach in that relaxed attitude. And that just works just fine. Now, do you come from a big family? No, it, uh, I had one uh, one brother, and and that was it. Lots of cousins that I grew up with, and it was just amazing, amazing experience growing up with them. 
you know, after high school, did you go straight into college? I did. I actually had a, a double major, uh, broadcast um, journalism and TV and uh, minor in speech. And I, I really thought I was going into TV to do the production side of it. And even my, I was so into it. And being in New York, my last my last semester was all projects. And I would go into New York City and work for uh, Good Morning America and, and news shows and thought this was going to be my path. And I'll never forget how... Uh, here I was working in TV after I graduated behind the scenes and it just wasn't, there was something missing. And I realized I wanted to help people. I had no idea how, but I wanted to help people. And so I wanted to get into health and um, didn't know what to do. Here it was, you know, I have 10 years of school loans and I'm like, Oh, what do you mean changing career at this point? And so I, I just got a job and I'll never forget when my college roommate called me up one day and she said, are you bored? I'm like, you have no idea. She said, let's take a class. I'm like, that's great. I don't even care what it is. Sign us up. And then she calls back. She said, let's take it towards something. Let's be dietitians. And I was like, all right. And so I signed up for an MSRD, uh, so master's in, in nutrition and, and dietitian. And she never did. And what's even crazier is a similar experience happened a few years later. Uh, which put me on a different path. But so, yeah, so, so I started in health and then, um, and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. A couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. That was the deal breaker. So got him out of the house, looked at the two experiences thinking, well, what's similar to these two? Of course me, but what else? And realized I, I never took my needs seriously. Boundaries were always getting crossed. So I'm one of those believers, you know, it's like if, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So here I was four kids, six dogs, a really a, a, a thriving business. And I enrolled in a PhD program and it was in transpersonal psychology, psychology of transformation and human potential. And while I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal, what holds us back, what helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. Well, let's talk about those three discoveries. You talk about it in your TEDx talk, and uh, I was looking forward to digging in. So yeah, yeah sure. Great. So originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth is sort of like an, if you can imagine an upside of trauma, how, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd been through disease and I was like, nope, betrayal feels much different to me. I didn't want to assume it was the same for everyone in my study. So I asked him, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, is it different for you? Does it feel different? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self gets shattered and has to be rebuilt. Think about it. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. They're all trashed. You know, if you lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss. You don't necessarily lose your ability to trust, you know? So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It's like, yeah, you need to rebuild your life, but you also need to rebuild the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, and that's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So the first discovery was that betrayal is a different kind of trauma. 
I, I can't agree more. Um, and, and it's interesting. I was just having a conversation because there are actually pieces of betrayal trauma. You know, when, when you talk about PTSD and, mm-hmm. and you know, the ACEs study uh, or the ACE study where, you know, some of those, those early traumas, they're essentially betrayal trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very uh, much so. Was any of your research related in any way to the ACE study? I certainly looked at it. And, you know, one thing that was so obvious was if you've had a betrayal in childhood, you know, think about it, like your your parent who's supposed to protect you and they do something awful, then it's it's really common. If you, if you don't deliberately and intentionally do the work to make some sense and meaning out of that, you move into relationships, not because they're good, because they're so familiar. It's what, you know? Yeah. So that was, yeah. So the post-betrayal transformation was the first discovery. And, and really, and this brings up the second discovery because when, when that's where you came from, and even if you didn't, you know, and you, and you've experienced betrayal, the second discovery was that there's this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. We've had 80,000 plus people take, or more take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. A few things about that quiz I found so interesting. The first thing is we've all heard time heals all wounds, right? I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Um, there's a there's a question on the quiz that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. It feels like it happened yesterday. So we know you cannot count on time. You can't even count on a new relationship to heal betrayal. There is a specific and definite protocol you need to to move through in order to fully heal. And what happens is if you don't, you will find, and this happens all the time, you you know, it's so, so often you go from partner to partner, partner, friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss. And you're like, what the heck is it me? Yes, it is. Not in that it's your fault and that it's your opportunity. There is a profound lesson needing to be learned. Maybe the lesson is you are lovable, worthy, and deserving. You know, maybe the lesson is you need better boundaries in place, whatever it is for you, you know, you will have opportunities in the form of people to teach you. Like, look at my example. First, it was my family. Then it was my husband. And then for me to do something for me, which was so huge enrolling in this program, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know I was going to manage the time, but it was the first thing I had ever done big like that for myself. It changed, it changed my entire life lesson learned, you know? So also with the quiz, um, I pull the stats every few months just to see where people land. I'm happy to share them if you want to hear some stats. Yeah, that would be great. So, okay. So now imagine this is men and women, um, just about every country's represented here. And out of 80,000 plus people, 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel loss of personal power. 80% 80% are hypervigilant, and that's just exhausting. 94% deal with painful triggers. The most common physical symptoms, 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% have extreme fatigue, so they wake up, they're exhausted. 47% have weight changes. Maybe in the beginning, they can't hold food down, 
Later on, they're using food for comfort, really common. 45% have a digestive issue, and that could be anything. Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, you name it. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% can't focus. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. Now think about this. You can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. You still have to work. You still have to raise your kids. That's not even emotionally. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are really angry. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84%, 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. One thing I was wondering, because I, I've seen this and I, I'm wondering if you uh, are familiar with any statistics around this, but you know, for those that have experienced betrayal trauma, how likely are they then to perpetrate a betrayal on somebody in their life? Yeah, you know, it, it, it goes it goes either way. Um, you know, I, I've seen it where they it's like a revenge kind of thing where they just want to betray the person who betrayed them, sort of thinking that that's going to make them feel better. Um, and I always caution people with that because you're not thinking from a clear space and it's forever on your resume. So be careful about that move. Um, but not necessarily, you know, it, what, what happens so often is uh, you either stay stuck and, and this really gets me to the third discovery. I'm happy to share. So often we, we stay stuck and we're just not necessarily betraying others, but in a really stuck, sad, sick space, um, or we move through all of it and completely transform the opportunity is, is there. And just to wrap up the quiz, you know, you heard those numbers. I didn't read anything, you know, 20%, 30%. These numbers are really, really high. What's to me even more tragic about these numbers, they're not necessarily from a recent betrayal. This could be from the parent who did something when you were a kid. This could be from the girlfriend or boyfriend who broke your heart in high school. So think about this. That person may not know, care, even remember. They may not even be alive. And here we are walking around with these symptoms because of something that happened decades ago. And then what happens is we're medicating and trying to suppress the symptoms, but we're never getting to the root. The root is the unhealed betrayal. And you, you talked about a protocol to heal from this. Do you write about it in your book? Are you willing to share a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. That's the third discovery. So this to me was the most exciting out of all three of the discoveries. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean symptoms of post-betrayal sy syndrome, like I just shared, some, all, right, to that completely healed place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every single stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. And I'm happy to share the five stages if you wanna hear them. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Cause it would be really awkward if you said no. <laughs> so they're all mapped out again in trust again. Um, it's what our coaches are all certified in. It's what we do within the PBT Institute. We just simply move people through the stages, but here's sort of a boil down version right here. So stage one is like a setup stage. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with every participant, me too, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing and kind of neglecting or ignoring the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. Well, think about it. If a table has only two legs, easy for that table to topple over. That's us. Stage two, the scariest of all of the stages, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've gotten the news. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. You're, um, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. Makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that govern us, that prevent chaos. Don't go there. Trust this person. This is how life works. And in one earth-shattering moment, every rule you've held to be real and true is no longer. The bottom truly has bottomed out on you, and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So this is terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out, you know what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three survival instincts emerge. It's by far the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? Like, how am I going to feed my kids? It's practical. Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the most common place we get stuck. And here's why. Once we've figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. We're like, okay, I got this. And because we don't know there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we start planting roots here. We stay here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self-benefits from being here. You know, we get to be right. We get our story. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everyone we share our story with, you know, and you get a whole bunch of benefits. So we plant deeper roots. We're not supposed to, but we don't know. Now, because we're here longer than we should be, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. Again, we're not supposed to stay here, but we don't know. Because these are the thoughts you're thinking well, this is the energy you start putting out. Like energy attracts like energy. So now you start calling circumstances and situations and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. Like the misery loves company crowd. They come around right here. They love this. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go. Right here, we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but like, I have to get through my day. I, I have to raise my kids. So right here, we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, anything to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from what's so painful 
of a space to be in, right? So think about this. We do this for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. I can see someone 20 years later and say that that drinking you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. They would say it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where most people live. And that's why, uh, while trust again maps out the five stages, has my story in it, the whole thing, I wrote from hardened to healed just for stage three, mm -hmm. because you've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to move through the stages. Don't stay stuck there. But that's where the majority of people after an experience with betrayal or just even, you know, a negative experience, that's where they land. That's where they live. Anyway, if you're willing, willingness is a big word right here. That's the most important needle mover. Willing to let go of the small self benefits and everything you get from them. Uh, grieve more than the lust, bunch of things. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. Right there in that decision, you turn down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stopped the massive damage you've been creating in stage two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved, if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but you're like, yeah, okay, all right, we got this. It feels like that. But what's so interesting to me about stage four is when you, if you are to move, right? If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take those things that don't represent who you wanna be when you're in that new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, right here in this one spot, you've outgrown them. If they don't rise, they don't come. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends all these years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, they don't come. Anyway, when you're in stage four, you're settling in there. You're mentally making it home. You move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the room for that. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. The mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making all kinds of new boundaries and, and assessments based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on what you see so clearly now. And the four legs of that table, in the beginning, it was about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. One thing I couldn't help but notice is there's a lot of similarity in there to healing from PTSD and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the symptoms. I, I would say that really post-betrayal trauma is very, I mean, is it often confused with PTSD? You know, people just, think, for the most part, many people feel that PTSD is limited to like a war vet who hears a car backfire and they're, you know, they're, they feel like they're back in battle. PTSD is so common with betrayal. You know, you're triggered and you're reminded of an experience and, and your mind is hijacked. Your body is responding as if you just got the news. And cognitively, you're like, no, I know it's not happening now, but tell that to your body because your body feels like it's it's just happening all over again. Yes, very common 
uh, to experience PTSD symptoms with betrayal, the good news is you can heal from all of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that we got to wrap this up. Um, before we go, what is the best place for people to connect with you, buy your books, um, learn more about what you do, and maybe enlist your services? Yeah, thanks. Everything is really at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com. All right. Well, I will have the, the link in the show notes, along with the links to your TEDx talks. Um, for everybody listening, please check out our website and check out those TEDx talks. Uh, incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.